An Oireachtas committee convened last year to look at the services provided to autistic people has published its final report, complete with 109 recommendations on what needs to be done to better serve the thousands and thousands of children and individuals who have, in some cases, been waiting on assessments and supports for years. Linda Whitmarsh is mother to three boys, two of whom are autistic. She joins me now. Linda, I know you were one of the people who came before this Oireachtas committee. You told the members about your day-to-day reality of caring for all of your children, but especially your sons, Liam and Finn, who are autistic. Can you tell us a little bit about them, um, uh, Linda, what ages they are? Hi, Anya, and thanks very much for having us. Um, sometimes our voices can be forgotten, so it's great to actually have this opportunity. So I have three boys. Liam is the eldest. He is 11. He has dyspraxia, which is a disorder that affects his motor skills, his coordination and his movement. And he is uh, autistic also. Finn is nine and Finn has cystic fibrosis. He has an intellectual disability and he is autistic also too. And I know, obviously, Linda, we could spend hours talking about how wonderful they are and all the joy they bring you. But for the purposes of our short conversation, unfortunately, here today, we have to talk about the challenges they face. Could you tell me maybe a little bit about Liam getting him assessed and diagnosed and what that process looked like? Well, it was very hard because Liam had um, speech delay when he was younger, so he was in Abel Ireland. He was attending in Abel Ireland uh, when he was younger. But once the PDS came in, when he turned six, he was discharged. So we waited four and a half years for him to see anybody. So he was just in limbo and he regressed massively. He uh, then seen an OT and uh, physio four and a half years later and was diagnosed with dyspraxia. Now, when he was younger, he did get great services from Enable Ireland. He got a lot of speech and language therapy, which did help him. But then we had to go for an assessment of need to get his autism diagnosis. So it wasn't shocking or surprising we, we we knew that there was something, you know, there that needed just a diagnosis. But the hardest thing was actually after getting the diagnosis, knowing that there is no services or support or help. And then tell us about Finn, who's now nine and what that process looked like and um, what he, what it's like for him in life at the moment, Linda. Well, Finn was a very, very sick baby with CF. We actually nearly lost him. Um, when he was a very, very small baby. So Finn had a lot of medical needs. So his kind of develop he was a little bit developmentally delayed, especially with his speech. So it was kind of putting the long finger just down to his medical uh, issues. And then when he was about four, he started turning lights on and off. He started having a lot of repetitive behaviour. So we tried to get him for an assessment. We went to our public health nurse. We went to his teens. We were screaming out. And eventually we had to get a private diagnosis so that he could start school and go to the right school. And then we actually just went for an assessment of need for him there last year as well after having the private diagnosis for years. And one of the things with Finland is that he can be just maybe under-sensitive to noises, but also just risks. You've you've a worry just, you can't really take your eyes off him. Like, what does that mean for you and your family when it just comes to planning some of the things maybe the rest of us just take a little bit for granted? 
Well, Finn um, was non-speaking up until last year. So Finn was so, so frustrated and it was very, very hard for him to get his basic needs across. Uh, now, we tried everything. He's typing. He is communicating a lot more. But on a day-to-day um, basis, it's very hard for him because Finn's nine and he wants the independence of his other brothers. He wants to be able to run out and go to the playground. You know, he wants to be able to do things independently. But, but, but because he is such a vulnerable child and has so many needs and so many challenges, I I just couldn't let him go out on his own, so I always have to supervise him. And he's getting completely frustrated, so he'll run away. He's got no safety awareness. Um, even during COVID there, myself and my husband were both working. So one of us was in a hospital seven days a week. Then we were coming home to, you know, care for our kids. Uh, we didn't know what was going on with COVID. And, and Finn some really, really regressed. Mm. Yes, he really regressed when the schools closed. So for four months, we actually went through Finn fecally smearing uh, the floors in his room, the walls, himself, the bed sheets. Like we'd stay up with him until we thought he was asleep and then he'd do it. And then sometimes we'd leave him and see, you know, what will happen. We tried absolutely everything, messy play before bed sensory things uh, and in we trying that in the end oh sorry and, and Linda sorry to interrupt you but in trying everything you ultimately had to access private services how much has that cost you over the last three years in the last three years we've paid 15,000 on assessments and private services just for Finn alone that's not taken into lame account and Linda so, as you look now which is an extraordinary figure for one child over three years 15,000 euro and you look at the 109 recommendations this week are you hopeful that maybe help is on the way that we're going to see a coordinated strategy now the correct budgets ways at filling the 800 vacancies are you hopeful? Well, I think it's going to take a long time and I'm not sure if it's going to be done in Finn's lifetime as a child. I'm not sure if he will have opted out at that stage and gone, you know, to be 18. 109 is a lot of recommendations. And, you know, the thing is, there's like one thing, like, like it's a great thing having like autism-friendly dolls and all these recommendations. And it's brilliant that the conversations are being had. But, when the main thing that the government can do is actually to make a change to the Disability Act and have a ratification of the UN CRPD optional protocol, that would be better and it would be quicker because the children are being completely failed by the systems, the family are being completely failed. Myself and my husband are advocates, accidental advocates, and we don't want to be, but all the advocates and the charities are just a failure on the state and the services. Okay, Linda, thank you for your time today. We wish you, yourself, your family, your sons, all the very, very best. Mark O'Cahazy, to bring you in, you were on that Oireachtas Committee on Autism. Linda talks there about the system ultimately failing them. There's 109 recommendations. There's 800 vacancies for occupational therapists, speech and language therapists. Is there now political will to get this done for action? Yeah, I mean, you couldn't have sat on that committee for the the 12 months that that we sat and we had 23 public meetings. Uh, You couldn't have sat in those sessions and come away with the impression that the state is doing right. 
by these parents and Linda described herself there as an accidental advocate and we talk about these people you know tirelessly advocating for their children and in fact it's not tirelessly they're, they're exhausted and they came to us again and again and one of the most powerful sessions was when we held it in the, the Shannon chamber and we had uh, self-advocates and people advocating for their children very often with autism um, and we just heard the same stories again and again just the, the frustration the tiredness how they've they've I suppose, reached out to the state and found and, that those services aren't in and there. And I'm so limited for time and I won't be able to bring Breed and Michael in on this, but on the point of action, you know, yeah. strategies, budgets, vacancies, is it going to happen now and immediately after all the waits and delays and the thousands of kids waiting to access services and supports? The key and most important recommendation in my view, and I think the committee shared this, uh, is that we should, we should legislate for an autism strategy that has to be updated every three years, that a relevant minister has to report on progress in that sta- on strategy every year. And, that um, needs and we'll to see be something in the budget. Are we going to see real approach. hard cash around this in the budget? Well, what I want to see now is a comprehensive response to this. The report only issued last week and not just from one minister. I want to see it from every relevant minister. 